Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So I didn't sleep last night very well, despite all my gadgets that I wear to tell me how good I sleep in anticipation of what we're going to do today, because we are going to do something a little different on today's episode, something that we haven't done before. And quite honestly, I hope we don't do ever again. We'll see how this thing goes. Um, But today I am going to be in the hot seat. And uh, one of my dear producers, who is fabulous, is going to do her best to not embarrass me and make me feel awkward. And she is going to interview me using questions that all of you have submitted about things that you may want to know about me. Go figure. I think I'm an open book. I don't know that I have too much to tell you, but hey, we're going to have fun with this. You know, things about me personally or or what my passions are. So uh, go easy on me when you're listening to this, but we're going to have fun. So I will, without further ado, I'm going to bring in my dear friend and producer, Stephanie Kaysen, so she can do her best to humiliate me. Stephanie, please go easy on me. I will do my best, Dr. Mike. Excited to be here with you today. And we've got a lot of great questions from your listeners. So, but the first question is from me. (laughs) I want to know how you feel about doing this episode and if you're nervous. You know, so I I have to say, I don't know that nervous is the word. I think I've been done so many odd things in my life in terms of stuff. But, you know, the unknown is always a little nerve wracking. You know, I like to think, you know, when we do our podcast together every week, you know, we we have some idea of the, the guests and the questions and things. There's always like curveballs, right? But when it's coming at you rapid fire, uh, I, I will say I'm a little uh, I'm a little apprehensive. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. I like it. I like it. Well, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're willing to do this because a lot of people want to know a lot, a lot of stuff about you. So the first question that we have for today is, why did you want to do a podcast? You're a busy guy. You do a lot of things. What was it about a podcast that made you excited? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, the podcast world has grown tremendously over the last several years. And, and, and it never really struck me, you know, as, as a, a thing to do. But, you know, it, what it comes down to is a very simple principle, which is I love education. And now when I say education, I don't mean like standing in front of a lecture hall, you know, with a stick to a chalkboard. I don't even know if they do that anymore. But that's what they used to do. But I love just sharing with people experiences and, and tips and tools. And, you know, I, I will be honest, sometimes I, I bag a little bit on the whole, you know, technology thing and Facebook and, and you know, computers and now Zoom and like, uh, you know, there's all these things. But honestly, doing a podcast gives you or gives me that extra 
platform to get my voice out. I mean, it's not that I know everything, but I, I think after practicing medicine for, you know, a couple decades or more, I've learned a lot. And I think we can all really share a lot of our experiences. I had lunch with a guy, a buddy of mine and colleague last week who's working on a project. And I told him, I said, you know, when you know this guy's personal story, I said, this is something you got to share because I think there are a lot of people out there that may have similar stories and can learn a lot of things perhaps about themselves or about things they can do to better their health mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. So I think it's just yet another avenue. And, and like I always say, if we can change one life, hey, that it, it's, it, it's one life and every life is precious. That's my mm -hmm. short answer. <laughs> I just wanted to follow up. You said that you're an open book. And so how does that factor into how you approach this podcast? You know, it's kind of funny, I guess, as you get older, as, as you know, you, you sort of become a little bit more open. And I've always been a very kind of uh, open person about my life because I don't know, I, it's just the kind of person I am. My mom always raised me to be very interactive and social and talk to people and, and to just share things. And I, I think whether they're stories of triumph or, or defeat or whatever they may be, I think that being open and being vulnerable is is something that I've learned as I've gotten older. And, you know, I've been through it all. I, you know, this last several years, having gone through divorce, having my my mother, my dear mother die and my sister die all within a span of about three years. I mean, I really got punched in the face. So I feel like there are other people out there that get punched in the face daily and for different reasons. And I think that that's a reason why um, a lot of us struggle to get on track with our health. And I think if you can kind of relate to people and say, hey, I, you know, I may not be going with what you're going through, but here's some of the crap I went through and I get it. Life is hard, but it's it's just sort of adds adds sort of support and, and scaffolding to that idea that we all have to still keep trying and uh, life is not always going to be perfect. And uh, I think for me, being an open book has just displayed some more vulnerability that I have. And hopefully it's, it's for good, you know, for good use. What would you say, I'm going off script a little bit here, but what would you say is something that you've taken, you, you had a difficult year, as you said, with a it's a lot of personal loss and, and change and transition. What is something that helped you to cope effectively with all of that in your own life? Well, I'll, I'm going to be straight honest. Um, I have, I've, I've realized that I had some good and some bad coping mechanisms. Um, I, I did um, when I was going through a lot of it. I mean, I drank a lot of alcohol and it was not pleasant. I, I just didn't know what to do. I was by myself. And, and I think, so I can relate to people who go down these bad pathways. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and say, yeah, oh, you know, I did all these perfect positive things. Because again, I, I think number one, it would be a lie. Number two, that lack of transparency is not going to help anybody. I did. I drank a lot. And, you know, I've always enjoyed my wine. And, and that's just been a, a big passion of me learning about wine and stuff. You know, and we all did our thing in college or whatever it was, but I drank a little bit more than I was comfortable with. And so I think coping mechanisms can be good and bad. That was clearly a very bad one for me. On the other hand, 
What I did do that I've always done is I exercise like a maniac. And, uh, you know, I think it goes to speak to that whole idea when people go through stress or depression or they're really just struggling in life. A lot of people go to food and lack of exercise, which can obviously cause a lot of problems in your life and your health. I, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, go the opposite. I struggle to eat and I, you know, which is, again, I'm not saying that's a good idea, but, you know, I went from a, you know, I'm six feet tall, I'm a tall kid, but I've always been a lanky little swimmer guy. So I went from a ripe 210 to 170 rather quickly because of stuff that I was going through. So I think for me, it was reaching out to people. But yeah, it was challenging. I think coping mechanisms is a broad category of which there are good and bad and healthy and unhealthy. But you just for me, I'm just happy. I recognize that uh, this is not a good thing to be doing and try to correct my my direction. Mm. And thinking about that, this idea of, of coping mechanisms and keeping yourself well and healthy. And you've obviously dedicated your whole career to doing that. What made you just to reflect back, what made you go into, into medicine and specifically into the specialty that you chose? So this is yet another piece of my past. To start with, I always like learning stuff. I, I'm, I've always enjoyed learning things that I didn't know. Now, that may be from an academic standpoint or maybe sitting down at a bar next to some perfect stranger and listening to their story, learning about their their profession or their trade or whatever it is. And I've had some great stories over the years. Uh, my girlfriend always makes fun of me because she's like, oh, now who did you meet? You know, <laughs> but I, I find people interesting, which gets me to the second part of your question. But I've always enjoyed school. I've always enjoyed being in school education. There's the socialness, the social element of it. There's there's also just the whole idea of learning stuff and and, you know, creating that response in your brain. But when I was in sixth grade, I had a brother uh, who was killed in a motorcycle accident. And I remember very vividly the day I was lying on my belly watching a Dodger game. It was a Saturday. And I remember the phone ringing. I picked up the phone. Some random guy said, ask for my mom. I gave the phone to my mom. She not knowingly said, oh, well, your your brother Jerry got in a, car, a motorcycle accident. I told him not to buy that thing. You just don't think of the worst case scenario, at least when you're 11, right? And it was um, it was a bizarre thing because they said, well, we got to go to the hospital. I know that that day they were planning on going to some dance and whatever they were going to do on their Saturday night. <laughs> and um she went to the hospital and they were gone for hours and hours and hours. And this wasn't the day of cell phones and all of that stuff. And when she came back, uh, my stepfather was driving the car and she was in the back seat, which I thought was odd. I remember going out and looking for them like, where are they? And quite simply put, um, you know, when I remember my stepfather getting in the car and saying, you know, your brother didn't make it. And I didn't know what that meant. And then I proceeded to see my mom go literally into what was a year of, of a depression. And I quite honestly, I don't think she was ever the same person. You know, when you lose a child, it's difficult. So I think it was the respect for life and um, perhaps uh, the respect for my mother, um, bless her heart. And, and just the idea that, man, if there's something I could do with my life that may potentially 
prevent a problem like this or a situation like this for somebody else, I think that would be a gift, not only to my myself and my soul, but to others. And and that's kind of how it it happened. Now the whole family medicine thing was just because I like to talk and I love people. And when I was a, a when I was a kid, my idea of a doctor was like the typical like you know you went there when you were a kid, when you were older, you went for everything, right? It wasn't like so specialized as it is now. So it, to me, it was like, I don't know. I didn't know there was any other doctor, but a family medicine guy. So I'm like, I guess this is what I do. And then, of course, my older, my other older brother, who I followed in his footsteps, he's now I've been practicing. He's eight years older than me. And uh, yeah, we both sort of bonded and we still do about the you know trials and tribulations of being a physician these days. But uh, that's it. That's that's the story. A little collaborative. Mm, that sounds like it was obviously a very seminal moment. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I think back about it, you know, when you're 11, you don't really know what's going on, but when you get older and then you look back at when you were 11, it starts to make more sense. But yeah, I think it was devastating for me and my siblings and I still talk about it, uh, that when my mom was alive, even for the decades moving forward, she was never quite the same. And I think it goes to, you know, there's people that lose a child. I mean, any loved one, right? Anybody in your life. But when you lose a child, it's uh, it's it's a thing, and and I watched it firsthand. And uh, for anybody out there, I, I you know, I I hope you never have to go through that. Mm. So thinking about your career in medicine that has spanned uh, decades now, what do you what do you love about being a physician, and what's the most challenging part of being a physician? Would you say? I think what I love is that I feel like the things that I try to encourage people to do are very doable. I always say to my patients, uh, uh, you know, I have all these weird things I say to them, but I always tell, say to them, tell me what you can do, not what you can't do. And tell me what you did, not what you failed to do. The idea is that I think health and wellness has gotten a little, you know, it's just gotten out of hand, right? There's like, a, I mean, Listen, as I speak, I have a Fitbit on and I have this new aura ring that I'm wearing and all these things, right? all these gadgets. And, you know, there's all these different modalities that we use. But at the end of the day, I love the simplicity of health, which is very simple. Respect your stress and manage it. Follow good nutrition, hydrate, you know, move. And I use the word move in place of exercise because exercise can be a intimidating term and try to avoid smoking. Those are the five pillars as I've seen them. They're simple. Now, achieving the task is difficult because life gets in the way, but the basic principles I know most people can do. It's just how do you unlock that key to their their desire and passion to do it? So I love the the the, the doability of health. I haven't quite figured out the easeability yet. But the doability, I love it. You know, it's not like I'm saying to somebody, I need you to climb Mount Everest. Hey, I'm just saying I need you to get out of your chair and walk around the block. So I think everybody's level of doability, whether, you know, as it pertains to those pillars is different. But I don't ask a lot of difficult things for my patients conceptually. They may be difficult, you know, practically to put into place. But that's what, you know, having that relationship with your doctor is about is working through those things. 
And what do you see as the biggest challenge? I know this is um, maybe a broad generalization, but thinking about your patients overall, what is the biggest challenge or biggest mistake that your patients seem to be making? You know, so I, I think we're all guilty. I'm guilty of it. And I think I see it very commonly is I think that we fail in our ability to set goals. I think in a recent project I I did, which will be out uh in the next several months, there's a chapter on goal setting. And the idea is that it's very easy to throw that term around, right? Just set some goals. But what does that mean? How do you do it? And how do we go about it? But I think people tend to try to change too much too soon. And I think people tend to struggle with setting goals properly. And I think it's focus on one aspect of your health. You know, I just gave an example of the five pillars as I see them. And I just say, let's not try to fix all of those at once. Let's, let's pick one that you think is the most doable. And, and let's, let's start there. I, I, you know, nothing is more, nothing feels better to someone than when you succeed at something. And so I like people to set realistic goals. I like people to set goals in a category that they think they can really do because when you get that first win under your belt, it's a lot easy, you know, and I use a lot of uh, sort of sports analogies in my books and things like that because I'm a, a sports nut, but it's easier when you succeed and you get a taste of success in your health, whether it's, you know, learning to drink water or hydrate or eat better or move more, whatever it is, right? Or if you go from smoking two packs of cigarettes a day to one pack, that's a win. Whatever it is, when you succeed, it feels good. And I think it gives you more fuel to succeed in the other pillars or, you know, to take it to a new, a new level. For you, do you have a goal that you've set for yourself right now in terms of your wellness? Oh, God, I got to tell you where I struggle and those who know me most, I mean, really know me, you know, that first tier of people in your life. I struggle with stress most. And uh, I I maybe on appearance, I, I, I walk around. There's a lot of my colleagues and friends that they, you know, back in the days when we had meetings and we were all like in the room together. Um, (laughs) I forgot what that was like. You know, they would always, there's a couple of very dear friends of mine. We've been working together more than 20 years and they know me and they're females because the females tend to know you better because, you know, we're guys, we're idiots. What do we know? (laughs) I didn't say that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, But uh, there's one particular uh, doctor I work with. She and I started on the same day, 22 years ago, almost. And she used to always make fun of me because she's like, you always walk into the room and you're, you know, you're you know, kissing babies and shaking hands and every, and, and she's like, but I know your BS and she's, I, you know, I used to just kind of mess with her, but she was spot on. You know, we all put forth this, this sort of a appearance. And I, I think I tend to do that more and I've become more vulnerable and more kind of, you know, aware of it, but I'll tell you, stress and respecting, you know, I I don't like it when people say, you just have to learn how to deal with stress. That's not helpful (laughs) because look, look, what does that mean? You know, it's like, you just, you just have to, you know, learn how to climb Mount Everest. I don't know why I'm going with that analogy today, but I'm sorry, but that's not helpful. I, I, I always tell my patients, you need to respect your stress. And I think that's the best word to use because it's real. 
there are categories of avoidability and unavoidability, but I think we focus and put too much energy and effort into stuff that's, you know, unavoidable. And uh, one of the analogies I tell my patients, I'm like, if you stressed out about whether it was going to rain tomorrow or be sunny and you were stressed out and I don't know if I'm going to go to work and what if the roads and there's going to be traffic, I'm going to get an axe. I mean, that's a waste of time. Now, you can just say, okay, I can't control the weather. However, I can leave early to work. Maybe I can work from home. Maybe I can wear a jacket. Maybe I can wear an umbrella wear an umbrella, use an umbrella. So I think you look at every stressful situation and, you know, I'm trivializing with weather and you say, okay, what are the avoidable elements of this and the unavoidable? You respect both, but you kind of push away the unavoidable stuff because it's exactly that it's unavoidable. And then you focus your efforts early. I have no control over this, but how can I make it a little better? So I'm I'm trying to listen to myself and the and the uh the a lot of the uh advice I give to others and you know it's one of those things where it's easy to give advice than to follow it. Mm-hmm. Um but I struggle with that and and uh I, I think a lot of people I think especially this past year it's been something very that weighs very heavy on people's life but constant struggle I will tell you what what does it mean to you? I love this idea of respecting your stress as opposed to managing your stress. What how would you like differentiate between those two ideas? Well, I think managing tends to imply that you have complete control over it, which is that you don't. <laughs> so I like the idea of separating avoidable from unavoidable. You know, you you can't manage stress. I I I think first you need to respect it as its presence and and that entity. And then I think you separate it from the unavoidable elements, like the weather, for example. I mean, a lot of things, you know, I have a lot of patients who this past year with stock market craziness and all this stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm watching the stock market and this and that. And I'm like, well, unless you have some way of controlling the stock market, and if you do let me know, because I'd like to invest with, <laughs> like with what you do, exactly. right? But why don't you just do the best that you can with the situation? You can't control ups and downs, but manage your, your portfolio or whatever you do with the information that you have, just like the weather example, just like whatever it is. So I think I, I just, I it frustrates me a lot when people just say, well, you just got to deal with it. Now that, that's not helpful. You know, I think we, we need to respect stress. Cause I think quite honestly, it's probably what most people struggle with in their health day to day is stress management. I, I don't know very many people and it's not about having money or this or that you can have the perfect life on paper and uh, stress will find you in one way or another. So I think respecting it is a better way of separating the controllable from the uncontrollable and then focusing your efforts on the stuff that you actually have in control or impact over. Mm. What do I know? That's just what I came up with. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded very convincing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about something that you're very well known for and something that a lot of the questions from your listeners were focused on. And this is your book, The 17 Day Diet. Right. A um, couple questions on that. I mean, we could do obviously a whole show and maybe sometime we will on that. But why did you decide to write your book? And what are five tips from your book that you think um, are the most important for people to know? 
You know, so it all came about in alignment with a lot of the stuff that I, I was just talking about, which was I'd always had a lot of these kind of like interactions with patients, tips, things that I used to come up with. And I still use them to this day. I've been using them for years. Um, little tips and tricks to kind of, uh, you know, improve your health. And and so I was fortunate enough through just a, a lot of the the stuff that I was doing to to come across some amazing people in the industry of, of entertainment and education. And, and it was really the motivating factor, which was, you know, you should take some of these things that you do and, and maybe offer them up in a way that people can use them. And, and I think it goes back to our original question, which is, or when, you know, the original thing we were talking about, which is, our, you know, being able to enlighten people and tell them your story, it may be able to you know, be something they can relate to. So five tips, I, I keep it very simple. I, I will tell you right now, the most important thing for anybody listening out there, if you want to do something for your health right now, today, this minute, it's to start hydrating yourself. The, the, um, the people that walk around dehydrated in this world, I'm guilty of it sometimes as well. It's probably 80% or more. It's amazing what just water can do. Always, you know, for people who smoke, I tell people, you know, always be trying to quit. Never quit. Never quit trying to quit. <laughs> a bit redundant. On average, it takes people eight, nine attempts to, to quit before they can quit. So always be trying to go away from tobacco products, whatever they may be. I doubt we're ever going to wake up someday on the news and they're going to say, it turns out smoking five cigarettes a day is actually good for you. I doubt that's going to happen. You know, and I say that because with alcohol, there's been a lot of studies where, you know, a glass of wine a day is good for this. So I think always trying to work at quitting or avoiding tobacco products, you know, hydrating movement, start somewhere, no matter what you do, anything you can do that's a little bit more is better than what you're currently doing. So always be trying to move. I think one of the really fun, easy tips that I use for people who want to start losing weight. I call it the rule of twos. Minimize your carbs to two sources of carbs or two carbs before 2 p.m. Very basic. After 2 p.m., unlimited vegetables and protein of choice. Obviously sticking to leaner, nicer proteins, but you know, it's it's about, you know, I don't think avoiding carbs is the way to go. I think we all need carbs. It's a fuel source. You need the healthy ones. You need a proper amount but you need them earlier in your day. So two carbs before 2 p.m., after 2 p.m., veggies and protein. Those are that, those are like four simple tips. And I think the last one is never quit trying. Always be trying, never give up because I think there's so many examples of when we, we work so hard at things and you, just when you're about to give up, you have a breakthrough. So I think, you know, you don't know where that threshold is, but always keeping, you know, that, that sort of goal in mind is, is important. And I think if people can work on those five things, you can feel better, not in a year, in a, in a week. It's, it's really quick, quick. Great. Um, so off the back of that, um, somebody wanted to know what is one wellness trend that you love and one that you hate? You know, I, I will. It's kind of that's a great question. Um, I think and I spoke of this earlier. I think what I, I get a little frustrated with is all the gimmicky things. And 
I don't know, maybe because I'm a, I'm a fool for having tried so many of them. And, you know, it's like the new shiny toy, right? Um, so I, I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the in the lotions and potions, as I say, and the tricks. And I think it's it's um, something that frustrates me because there are there is a huge market for so many things out there. And I think people are, are desperate at times and they're like, maybe that's going to work for me. And and who knows, maybe for some people out there, it is one of these gadgets that does work for you. But sometimes I feel like it's they're trying to overwhelm us. And, and it's sometimes is it's it, it kind of frustrates me a little bit because I just want people to make it more simple. But one of the things that I, I have to say that I love is that um, I think there has become a, a lot more awareness lately about especially obesity, uh, mental health. I think these things have been swept under the rug for a long time. I mean, when we look at the rates of obesity, they've continued to rise and rise and rise. Um, when you look at, you know, the mental illness in, in our in our country or in the world we live in, it's it's a struggle, but I think that we're starting to make people more aware. And I think it's not so much a condemnation or a shaming. It's really kind of a reaching out to help people. We got a long way to go on both of those fronts, but um, I like that people are starting to kind of become more aware. And and I think awareness will lead to um, strategies and, and ultimately to success. How much is mental wellness a part of your life or, and, or your practice? Uh, God, it's a huge part. I I think mental wellness is 100% a part of everything, but, uh, I, I, again, we just, we struggle with it. And, uh, no matter how strategic we are in our efforts, stuff happens. And, you know, I, I just, I just think that we all get thrown so many curveballs and life has become complicated. I mean, listen, take, I'm an old school guy. I'm not like 90 years old, but I'm 52. I feel like I'm 90 because I'm the kind of guy that I, you know, I'm like little house in the prairie kind of guy, you know, simple dog, you know, basic stuff like the whole cell phones and all this. I mean, let me tell you, I will go back to that answering machine that blinked red when you came home and the dial cell phone or the dial phone any day, because I just feel <laughs> like, you know, I'm old school at, at, at heart on many levels. I love that. So what's something about you that might surprise listeners? I think, you know, to this point, we talked it a little bit before. I think that I, that people would tend to look at me not knowing my story. And in fact, in, in the project I just finished or completed, there's a lot of kind of tell all. And I think, you know, I, I and it's probably to my fault. I sometimes, and we sometimes walk around with this um, sort of expressing this, this uh, confidence about ourselves that quite frankly, I don't, I don't have all the time. Mm. And I may act like I do. And I've been very fortunate in my life, and I've I had an amazing upbringing from amazing uh, mother and father. I've been surrounded by family and great friends, but you know, it's sometimes when you're you're at home and you're by yourself and uh, you're looking at some daunting task, you question your abilities and you sometimes lose um, your self confidence, and and it happens to me a lot. And those who really know me know that I'm full of shit sometimes. I may not look like it, 
but I am. So just know that. <laughs> I love that. I love it because before you were talking about getting more like in touch with your vulnerability and being able to like really connect to what's going on because you, you know, for so many people, especially not to get too gender specific, but you know, for men, it's sometimes hard to get in touch with those more vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, I've been through all the books. I read them all <laughs> and they're all helpful on some level. So guys out there listening, uh, yeah, we got a lot of learning to do. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, um, a few more, what is the single best thing you do for yourself each day? I think it, it's hydration. I really think it's the one thing that I start my day with. I, you know, I've, I've always struggled with meditation and I, you know, I've tried one minute meditation, 30 second meditation. I was the kid in church and this is a true story. I was an altar boy and I was a kid in church that, you know, when everyone was praying, I was kind of like looking around the church, looking at the people, da, 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 da. My mom used to get so mad at me, but, um, I think hydration is probably the single most underrated thing that people can do. And I'm really, I'm proud to say, I'm really good about doing that. I still have my coffee. I still have my glass of wine with dinner, but I drink a ton of water. I start my day with water and I'm water heavy. And I think it, it gives me energy. And the days that I don't, it is palpable. It is noticeable to me within five hours of my day. I'm like, man, I didn't drink all the water I need to. So big tip, simple thing we can do. It's is hydration. I think it's the one thing I, I do do right. The one thing. <laughs> do you have a specific way that you do it? Like, do you have a technique for it? So I, so again, old school, like the idea of buying water was so foreign to me, right? Like when did we ever think we were going to be spending money on water in a bottle, right? I still drink out of the sink. My nurses still laugh at me. I'm like, look, it's not like we're in some third world country without fresh water. You know, it's, you know, I, I like take my water bottle and I fill it in the sink. I'm like, it tastes fine. It's, you know, there's probably a list of 10 other things that are going to kill me before this water. So I, you know, my thing has always been, I buy these certain bottle waters at the store that I go to, they're cheap. Right. And I keep them everywhere, which goes against my principles as being an, a neat freak Virgo. OCD, whatever you name it, my therapist is like, yeah, you're you're pretty OCD, but I I just make it present, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? If you have that bottle at your desk, in your car, not in your back seat, in your front seat, you know, at your on your nightstand, it's just got to be present because we all know it's a good idea, but we just get caught up in our day. So I think if it's in your face, knowing it's a good idea, you'll likely uh, start to go down that path. Great. Okay. So for to end things off, we are going to do a speed round where I'm going to ask you to choose between two things. Um, and you let us know which, which is true by speaking quickly. So you don't have time to think about it. All right. So first question, late night or early morning, early morning, sweet or salty. Mm. Sweet. Nice. Me too. Classical <laughs> or rock? 100% rock. <laughs> that one was easy. Okay. Cat or dog? Well, I, I'm an animal lover, but since I have two cats right outside my door here that are going to like scratch me if I say otherwise, cat times two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Movie night in or date night out? Oh, that's a tough one. 
You know, I got to say movie night in. I, that's that's tough. I, again, I, as I've gotten older, I think it's migrated in that direction. Mm. Okay. Uh, beach or mountains? Mountains. Nice. Are you a skier? No, I just don't like sand. Ah, who knew? It's Maybe messy. that's your OCD. Totally, 100% is. <laughs> okay. Um, introvert or extrovert? Extrovert, without a doubt. Organized or messy? Yeah, organized. Yeah. To, okay. a, to, a, to a point where it's like almost affects my life. Oh. <laughs> that might be another podcast. Exploring yes. OCD. <laughs> okay. Freestyle or breaststroke? Freestyle. Right. 100%. And you're a big swimmer, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. I used to do all the strokes, but freestyle is like always doable when you're injured. And, you know, as you swim more, your shoulders hurt, your hips, your, your back, whatever. But freestyle is always doable. Oh, yeah, that's in line with your old school, right? Right, exactly. And simple. Um, okay, so in honor of James Lipton, who I love, what is uh, your favorite curse word? You know, this is a great question. Um, and what a career that guy had, right? I mean, mm. Amazing. Uh, rest in peace. Really amazing. I, I, and I'm not going to say that I'm, I don't curse cause I definitely do, but I love the versatility of the word ass. I love ass because it's so, it's such a usable word. It's almost not offending. It's almost not really a cuss word. You know, I even oftentimes will say, yeah, I was a complete ass and it's, there's like a, there's sort of a soft, to it. Or you can even say it in an aggressive manner and it can be really have an impact. So I love the versatility of that word ass. And it's, you know, another word for donkey. So you can always get away with, you know, saying that word. And she rate it. So <laughs> what right. would your, what would your, if you were going to use it aggressively towards me, I just want to hear what that sounds like. What does that sound like? Uh, I, <laughs> it's hard because I like you so much. Uh, <laughs> it, so it's hard to say, but I would say, Stephanie, you are a complete ass. <laughs> and by the way, it's kind of funny. Like it, it works. Right. Yeah. It has like a very sort of softness to it, you know, but, it, you know, it's all in the tone, right? All in the delivery. But I oftentimes say that about myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. What an ass I am, you know, <laughs> jokingly. And, and you can almost get away with that word in church, I feel. You know, I feel <laughs> like the, the priest would be like, yeah, all right, I'll let you slide with that. Others, not so much, but you know, I have my choice words. Let me get, let me tell you. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for me and for this episode. So thank you. I just want to reflect back that for me, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about working with you and about this podcast is you have so much good information, good experience, amazing education. All of that is like, you know, for granted, but you're, you keep it real and you're, and you're, and you're, you don't sit in your throne and dispense uh, <laughs> advice for the rest of us. You're like a real human being and you, you share honestly about your own experience. And I feel like that's really meaningful. I, it means a lot coming from you. And I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, we can all learn from ourselves if we give ourselves a chance. I'm still learning. I got a lot to learn. <laughs> But thank, thank you. you. Well, that was fun. I told you something a little different today. Um, I hope that gave you a chance to get to know me a little bit better. I'm I'm really passionate about this podcast and I love every guest. Uh, my only thing is I wish I could spend longer with these 
people because they're fascinating. And I think we all have something to learn from everybody out there, whether they're on my show or not. But I'm so grateful to all of you guys for just tuning in and listening each week. And maybe some weeks are better or more practical for you than others. But um, as as we go on this health and wellness journey together, uh, I, I appreciate just please know I appreciate your your trust and presence. So thank you. And of course, with each episode, I give you my weekly RX. And even though today's format was a little different, I still want to leave you with some tangible nuggets, some takeaways. So as I say every week now for today's weekly RX. So it's interesting because I'm going to give an RX about stuff that I said, but I will I will say this and I think it's really important, which is vulnerability can be a very healing tool. And I think being vulnerable with yourself and with others can really give you some insights. I think another tip is to never stop trying. I, I've, I've learned and, and I've seen so many success stories over the years, personal and, and professionally, but you never know when your day is going to be your breakthrough day. And always trying is, is so important. And lastly, don't be hard on yourself because I say this all the time to people, sometimes jokingly, but I really mean this sincerely. Life is hard. It is so hard. And we never know what's going to come our way. We look back at this past year and the pandemic, and I mean, we all default to that, but forget the pandemic. Life is hard every day for everybody for different reasons. And I think recognizing that and not being hard on yourself is equally as important, pandemic or not. That's it. Take care. And as always, don't forget to subscribe for free download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and follow me on social at The 17 Day Diet. Hey, Dr. Mike Moreno here. I'm excited for what's in store for the next four episodes, biohacking. It's a buzzword that's been circulating for years now, but does it have any true medical significance? Are there any actual benefits for you? Is it even affordable? Well, I'm going to take a deep dive to help you better understand what it is and how you can do it on a budget. I'm kicking the series off with the father of biohacking himself, Dave Asprey. I'll also talk to experts on how you can biohack your life using food, sleep, and meditation without breaking the bank. So tune in and let's get hacking. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.